Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. So I've registered Billy on Petly on the app, like you suggested, but I haven't really got into it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, he's he's six now and he's he's pretty well behaved. So like, really, what's the point of uh, the Petly app? What's it going to do for me? Well, the Petly app is about understanding that your life with your dog is a journey. And through your journey, just like with us humans, we change and develop over our life stages. And, you know, enriching your dog mentally as well as physically is so important. So for me, for example, with my cases that I see, I'll help dogs on the day and throw so much advice at clients that I know I can see that they can't absorb it all. So, of course, we supply notes and follow up and back up. But what I can't do as a physical human being is be with these people every single day. So where Petley comes in is that it's on an app and it's easily accessible from home. It comes in all sorts of different levels from puppy up to senior in terms of training advice, new activities to try and engage your dog to do. There's always more to do with your dog. This is how I see it. You know, I don't believe people tap into their dog's olfaction enough, not in a way that you can turn every dog into a little mini police search and rescue dog in your own home. And that really enriches dogs. It wears them out so quickly. And then they feel so confident and satisfied when they find what you were asking them to sniff out. So it's about helping your dog and learning more about what makes your dog tick and how to get the best out of your dog. Okay, you got me sold. I will get back into the app and look into it a bit more and I will find a program that's suitable for Billy. So to get Petly, P-E-T-L-I, do what I did. Download it from the App Store or Google Play. You know how we've covered how tragic it is when animals get caught in the crossfire in times of war. Well, that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to talk to Dr. Jenny Mackay, who is the Reverend Vet. She's helping raise funds for the animals in Gaza. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Jenny Mackay, thank you so much for coming back on A Dog's Life. I'm thrilled to be back again, Anna. Oh, no, you're brilliant. I, I I think you're such a brilliant person because you are a vet and we'll talk a bit about the type of vet you are in a bit because you are, I think, it's a very difficult job you have because you are basically a pathologist, aren't you, as a vet, but you're also a vicar, which I love. I know. It's uh, two different careers but um I think they both intermingle quite well actually explain that a bit more well I think as a vet you know obviously you're you're caring for people's pets but you build very very close relationships with people at very important times in their lives and in the pet world that's when animals are ill or sadly they have to be put to sleep and I think as a vicar as well, you're interacting with people as well at those important times in their life. Of course, they're quite different occasions. You know, there's the birth of someone in the family, celebrating weddings, and you have funerals. But I kind of interact with people at these important junctures in their life. And it's at those times that people start 
asking questions. They've got questions about faith. Why are we here? What is this world all about? And I think it's nice that I'm still really, really based in the normal world, if you like, as a vet. And I hope I try to relate to people with common daily issues, you know, that we have in in our everyday lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is about understanding humanity, really, isn't it? And understanding everyone has the wear and tear of life. You know, life isn't always a bed of roses, as we all know, you know. And of course, when pets get ill, that really can affect people drastically, particularly if their pet is their only family, you know. Oh, yes. It's very, very sad when, you know, I've seen an elderly person and they have the pet and it's really their lifeline perhaps they've lost a partner and that pet it's a very very important member of the family and when they lose that pet it's absolutely devastating nothing is ever so sad as seeing somebody on their own walking out the vet practice door after you've had to put to sleep their beloved animal and they're carrying you know the the lead and the collar it's absolutely heartbreaking yeah, gosh, you know, gosh. And of course, you're the vet that would, that you, don't you, you test the samples, don't you, from this? I do. I do. That's right. So I get biopsy specimens from pets and um, that's the things that I do. It, it's an important prognostication factor for how the practicing vet can help them. And I can also predict um, how, how the pet is is going to progress in different sorts of treatments. I mean, you know, interestingly on lumps and things like that, Jenny, how accurate can you really be? I mean, when you take a sample from mm. a lump, obviously it's only a bit of it, it's a very small bit. So, I mean, my logic on it is that, you know, hopefully that will be a representative sample that is taken, but of course it might not be, mightn't it? So it might come out with cells that are totally fine but actually just sideways a little bit the cells weren't fine or is that not how it is yes it can be like that and and that's a very very good point because I think people tend to think that the the biopsy sample will tell absolutely everything now most of the time it does but you're right in something like um, a cancer, if there's a lot of inflammation in there or parts of the tissue have died, if your needle goes into the wrong area, you might not be able to make a definitive diagnosis. I mean, Mm. fortunately, vets in practice have clear guidelines on numbers of samples to take and where they should sample to get the most representative area to look at. Um, so we try and minimize those those misses. But yes, so, sometimes I unfortunately have to write um, an interpretation that says I, I couldn't actually make a diagnosis on this case because the sample was full of dead tissue and you might have to re-biopsy. And that's not, you know, we don't want that to happen. It's not it's not good for the pet. No, 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 that's right. But it's best to, you know, be honest and, um, of course, be as accurate as, as you can be, really, with, with all of these, with diagnosis. It's so important. No, it's so it's fascinating. Um, it really is. Now, as well as being a vet, though, obviously you are a vicar. So how much of your vicar work is related to pets? 
Well, I always do an annual animal blessing service. So that always goes down very, very well. Because I bet. Gosh, <laughs> yes, I yes. wish I lived. Because where where is your parish so everyone can come to this? <laughs> My parish is in Stockport. So it's called St. George's. And the pet service is so, so popular. People bring dogs and cats mainly. I did have to bless an absolutely enormous hamster. He must have been, oh, he must have been about 12 centimetres long. Um, and you get snakes, birds, and occasionally, you know, a child may not have a pet, but they'll they'll bring in a, like a little snail from the adjacent graveyard or a worm, just something that they want to get blessed and they can bring in photos as well. So it's just a lovely service. We give thanks for the pets the pets of a blessing. And then we have a lovely um, tea and cake afterwards, trying to separate, of course, the dogs and the cats from each other. Yes, yes. Well, that's that's something actually to, um, so do you have, you know, a bit like in a wedding, you've got, you know, the, the husband's family on one side <laughs> and, you know, um, so that it's split, cats are on the right, dogs are on the left. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. That is so funny. But it's great socialization, um, particularly for cats, I think. I think it's very important to get cats, if you're blessed to have one as a kitten, get them out and about, not literally running around a park off lead or anything, <laughs> but taking them places in the car, on the train, if that's the way you're going to travel, so that the when they do have to go with you somewhere, it's yes. not a stress. You know, you've done it little and often and trained them to go in their cat carrier. So it's all smooth and happy rather than it being some major <laughs> drama. Get <laughs> in. We're leaving in 10 minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's what I do with our cats. I sometimes leave, you know, the, the pet carriers just around the house so that they can look at them and sniff them and that they don't necessarily assume that they're going to go into one and, and end up at the vets. So, yeah, I think that's right. Get get them used to these things around their normal environment. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, make it fun and make it, as you say, not always about going to the vet because they will very quickly think, oh, no, cat carrier, that means vet, that means I'm out this cat flap yes. like grease lightning <laughs> now and I'm not coming back for 24 hours, you know. No, no, I mean, but I think some cats will do that. It is important, yes, to make it a safe space. Yes, my new cat, actually, well, new cat, he this um, stray cat <laughs> landed on my doorstep, Jenny. I mean, totally mad. This year has been totally oh. a weird year, actually, I must say. Anyway, and I'm in a terrible state of affairs. I mean, he was an advert for Cambodia and um, really not not good. Anyway, he's doing really well. He's stayed, <laughs> of course. What? Yes, and he's got testicles, which, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm which I think he was a total feral cat and he was behaving like a saber-toothed tiger, but he's calmed. He's become a little mummy's boy. It's extraordinary. The most huggy Aww. creature. I know. Did, did you have his testicles removed? Oh, Good question. No, because, well, he wasn't in any state to have an anaesthetic. I mean, he was, he, you know, I don't think he had a lot longer. I mean, he was so thin. He was bald, had terrible skin issues. Like, I mean, it was borderline whether it was sarcopic mange or whether it was mm -hmm. just severe fleas. So luckily it was that 
sort of heat wave we had at the beginning of September. So he was able to be outside in the garden because I couldn't bring him in until at least the parasite control that obviously I, I gave him a heavy load of it had had time to work. And then I was so worried about the foxes because we've had a bit yes. of a fox problem around here. Um, and he was so vulnerable. I thought, I can't, I can't do this. So I had to bring him in. Um, <laughs> he was so funny. I sat him on the big green cushion. He was just... <laughs> sat there looking around the front room <laughs> and thinking mm. and then I came back a few hours later still sat there looking around <laughs> the big room you know <laughs> and I named him Baggy. Baggy yeah just came out but you know it was right because he's got bags of character he's <laughs> awfully intuitive I mean the thing about cat you know because losing gremlin destroyed me but um you know, and he taught me so much about the cat. And I'm just fascinated by cats at the moment now, um, particularly because Baggy just turned up. I mean, <laughs> they are extraordinary. I'm not saying I love them more than dogs. That would be dreadful. But I went for so long in my life thinking, why have a cat? You know, yeah. why have a cat? I mean, why have a cat when you could have a dog, you know, <laughs> which is just greatness personified. But cats, you know, they don't come home. They, You know, they whatever you know they're 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 you know they're just um you know you're their servants yeah, that's <laughs> Which, right but you are that is so true actually that I mean it's so they're, they're just extraordinary I don't know I'm just a bit smitten I think they've got bags of character as you say and it's an honor isn't it if a cat adopts you I think yeah well gremlin adopted me see this is the extraordinary thing um so <laughs> The only two cats that have ever been in my life, they've moved in. <laughs> ah, they spotted a good home, you see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never, you see, because of the dogs, I never thought I could have a cat living with with Molly, the bull terrier who hated cats. Well, Gremlin changed the world view on that. And, um, you know, I was a bit worried at the start because Baggy was the saber-toothed tiger and mm -hmm. Prudence didn't react well to his unfriendliness, <laughs> which you can understand. <laughs> so it was all a bit mad at the, at the beginning. But then I really thought, come on, Anna, <laughs> you're a dog trainer. You know how to do this. It's counter conditioning. And we just had to do Prudence comes into the room and Prudence leaves the room. Prudence comes in and we go hello and then we leave the room. I mean, <laughs> it took a lot of work. Um, and Baggy learned that, you know, this is how it had to be. And mm -hmm. he stopped reacting to prudence and then prudence has stopped reacting. It will take them ages to become really good friends. Similarly with Binks, he's been good with Binks. I'm in pushing that relationship a bit more now because Binks is awfully interested in Baggy. And Baggy <laughs> was a bit like, "What? you know, you know, you're looking <laughs> at me. Why are you looking at me? Why? And I'd have to go Baggy, uh, uh, you know, and he'd back down. You know, I could just see when he might have gone push and whacked Binks, you know, um, but he was so frail at the start. He didn't have any shoulder strength, Jenny, so he couldn't climb. Um, he's got a dicky back right leg. It's getting better, but he found it hard to jump. He was, you know, he was obviously so vulnerable out there with the foxes. So um, and he'd climb and he was like a spider. So oh. oh, you know, on, honestly, I mean, he is. I'm proud. It's four months. And I must say, He's looking much better. I mean, and he's had a broken jaw, Jenny, which I'd never experienced before. And the vet confirmed um, it. I said, what's wrong with his jaw? And you touch it and it just wobbles. There's no bone oh, there at all. Dear. I think he's, 
I think he's feral because you know also having his testicles. Yes, I, I mean, it, and and it, and I must say, there's a bit of a you know a bit of a poke at processed food. I'm, at least I'm making a disclaimer. <laughs> um, his teeth are really good, so that does imply he's not eating processed food. Sorry, everyone. So maybe he has just lived on mice. Yes, yes, and crunchy, crunchy bits of bone and things. Exactly, you know, exactly what, you know, what a cat should eat. So progress when he's black, which is mad, and he's got just one tiny white diamond on his sternum. So, I mean, what do you know about the, we are going to get onto the subject that we are supposed to be talking about, actually, Jenny, sorry. (laughs) I'm I'm really good at doing garbled podcasts at the moment. Uh (laughs) But in a way, I quite like just a more relaxed, conversational vibe going on rather than trying to pretend I'm Kate AD, which never really worked. <laughs> well, you just never know where the conversations are going to go, do you? That's a nice thing. Yeah. And it's all coming from a good heart. And I think that's the important thing. But you've been approached, right, by a animal welfare agency, I believe, from Australia. Is that right, Jenny, recently? Yes, and they're working very closely with um, a particular organisation that looks after pets that have been caught up in in the war. Um, And in this instance, I'm talking about the war that's taking place in um, Gaza and Israel. Because I think people, you know, obviously are affected in these terrible, terrible wars, but we often forget about the animals, don't we? And the thing about the animals is that often when people are displaced, animals are are left behind. So you get an increased population of stray animals. And often food comes in for humans, but people are not necessarily thinking about food for animals. Um and I'm not, you know, not just talking about dogs and cats. I'm also talking about working animals, mm, donkeys mm. and horses in these environments. Mm. So so very quickly, you can end up with a situation where you have a lot of also very vulnerable animals and displaced animals. And we we tend to forget about them, don't we? Um, so so I was very, very pleased to find out about um, this this organization that is trying to provide uh, support to an animal rescue called Sulala Animal Rescue to try and get food in and, and also veterinary medicine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's happened in World War One. It happened in World War Two, didn't it? There were animals, oh. loads of animals, millions of horses, for example, in World oh. War One that were that were killed. Um, and obviously I'm a vet, so my heart my heart bleeds for people in these situations, but yes. my heart also bleeds when I see animals affected as well. Yes, no, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. I mean, you know, just looking at the Ukraine war, I remember, you know, when it first broke out, the, the image that hit me of the week, it, it was in one of the broadsheets, um, I think it was on the news as well, was a man, you know, like absolutely broken, and he'd yes. gone back into his home that was just a pile of rubble and it's hard for me to say and he went in just to get his dead cat out oh so so sad isn't it yeah the the love that people have for animals because as you said in ukraine there were also a lot of images of people carrying their pets with them you know i think 
years and years ago, people wouldn't necessarily have wanted to take pets with them, but we've got such a close relationship with them these days. I don't days. know. No, I disagree with you there, you Jenny. Do. I think, well, you know, funnily enough, I was talking to Battersea Cats and Dogs Home only today about 140 years mm. of helping cats because they began as just dogs and then they um, took on cats a few years later, way back in the 1800s. And it's interesting mm. when life was obviously completely different. I think the bond people have built with animals has been timeless it's been since the, the cave drawings of dogs in the caves I really do and particularly also with beasts of burden as it were you know I mean the horse was the second animal to be domesticated because we had to have a horse I mean it was before tractors it was before motor vehicles and of course in World War One, particularly the horses we didn't have the machinery did we um so horses were used and and you know so many horses lost their lives in in the name of war and that's why on armistice day remembrance sunday you know of course i wear a purple poppy to remember yes. the animals that did lose their lives in in just helping us have a that's war right. really and of course you know the dogs and the, the carrier pigeons and and then there was only one cat that ever did anything worthwhile there was one the... on a ship wasn't there yes and gremlin he was hired actually by the PDSA this is true to represent Simon that was the name of that cat who who won the Dickin medal for killing an extraordinary Mm. amount of rats and keeping this ship rat free and all this stuff it was in I knew the story of all that before but then Gremlin was a dead ringer so out of all the cats Gremlin was chosen and it was a very funny day because we had to stand very near to the horse because there was a horse there was a horse there was a dog there was a pigeon and Gremlin and BBC Breakfast were filming it it was extraordinary I didn't even know and so I was on BBC Breakfast holding gremlin and an artificial dick in metal was just priceless and then the photographers wanted us wanted the cat near the horse well the horse didn't really like the idea of gremlin because he was so black and white and you know they've got peripheral vision horses yes it was a little bit lion and the zebra going on and the horse wasn't happy i mean it really was happy i knew the horse wasn't happy it was nostrils the breath going down the back of my neck it was a big horse ears were back it was stomping its head was going up and down i was like god and basically gremlin was just looking over and his feet were moving towards the horse i'm like this is a nightmare about to happen and anyway luckily nothing awful did happen but we were we were close I basically said to the photographers I'm not going to be able to hold my cat much longer in this (laughs) cat near the horse and they were going just get a bit closer love I'm like oh (laughs) this is this horse is going to jump on my head in a minute oh no that really did happen honestly yeah proud moment I know yeah they've always they've always played a key part in the war but I think it's also more obvious you know at the moment when we've got social media you know particularly the pets you know the people leaving you know their land or whatever and they've got their pets with them they're holding on to their pets trying trying to keep them as well it's heartbreaking, Jenny, and it, it is. I mean, I just did see on the news. I saw a donkey in Gaza the other night on the news, and it didn't look very well. But they, but they're using because they haven't got any machinery to carry on with planting crops or whatever, or trying to carry on with their lives yes. and everything. And I, you know, and this donkey, it looks. It was like a skeleton pulling a plow, you know, and it does make you think. I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, maybe not all dogs and cats, but as you say, it's like the farm animals or even the animals they're supposed to eat to live. You know, sheep and goats, I would imagine, out there yes. are quite indigenous and because they're very hardy, aren't they, goats? I love goats. <laughs> they're very clever animals. Yeah, I'd love a baby goat, Jenny. I'll tell you about um, I can can imagine walking it on the Hackney Marshes. <laughs> Well, you can get house goats. You can get pygmy goats. You I know. know. They're the ones I want. A little goat. <laughs> and a pot-bellied pig as well. But they get massive. They, <laughs> they start small, but they turn into monsters. I mean, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm not sure about farm animals, really, you know, in, in the home. But, you know, but they should all be treated with the respect that they deserve. I mean, it's not their fault. That's that's what I say. So, so how are they getting aid in then? Well, I don't believe there is uh, very much aid getting in. What they're trying to do is um, involve politicians, involve UN agencies, WHO, so when aid can finally get in, just to make sure that that pet medication and pet food is also included as well. So that's that's kind of the message they want to get there. Get us the aid in, but don't forget about the animals that we, we need to feed as well. And is this the only organisation thinking about the animals at the moment? It is the only rescue uh, centre in, in Gaza, and they had three sanctuaries. So there was one further in the north, and that's um that has been destroyed. So currently at the moment there is one, there's one sanctuary, which is, you know, and the guy in charge is looking after the the dogs and the cats. And he's also bringing in some horses and donkeys as well, which is quite unique. That that's something he hasn't um done at all. So you know a really big call out to Zaid who's trying his very very best to look after these animals. And I think he he tried to get a lot of feed in as possible when when the war was starting. Um, but but resources are definitely running, running out. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, it's very barren, isn't it? I think there I don't really know the landscape, but I suppose you, you can't just put a horse to eat grass when I mean, there isn't any grass there, no. I suppose. No, no. And the animal the animals are working as well. They're trying to work hard and pull carts or whatever um you know when they're getting tired and as you said the one you saw in the news would have been very very emaciated mm, no it really didn't look awfully well I love donkeys you see I do yeah they're funny things aren't they you know and all animals are sentient and then and the thing is you don't know what they're thinking you know they because they pick up on human stress that's that they do now they do do. that's scientifically proven and of course all the all the noise and all of the everything will be really freaking them out I would well definitely and you know and I'm sure both sides you know animals will indeed be suffering I mean lots of animals will have lost their owners and then they're just going to be wandering around that's a sad thing isn't it I mean you see that in rescue centers as well don't you if the the owner has died and then the poor pet it ends up in a rescue center which is good it ends up in a rescue center but they just don't understand where has my owner gone Mm, yes mm. what must they be thinking 
yeah yeah so how can people we'll obviously put all the links in the show notes but Jenny how you know can people donate I mean is it the good thing to do you know to donate and then the money will get somewhere but I mean how it's through the Australian charity so you can find out about it on on my social media I'll be putting a post up about it and also if you they go to Sulala Animal Rescue Sulala S-U-L-A-L-A Um, which is on Instagram and Facebook, you can find the details of how you can support that particular charity. Brilliant. And we'll obviously have the link to donate in the show notes. And I'll put that link, obviously, you know, so that it's accessible when people, you know, are listening to the podcast. Well, that's putting it in the show notes. I know, come on. But I'll put it in my link tree as well and oh, post about wonderful. it. and that's share. Wonderful. Yeah. No, no, no. Gosh. I mean, you know, we did a lot when the Ukraine war broke out, actually. And my friend who's Polish got us in touch with an amazing organization, um, Taurus mm-hmm. um, that mainly focused on horses still do but because of the Ukraine war they they got a plot of land quite near to the border of Russia and created this makeshift rescue center basically out of all sorts of odd bits of oh, whatever okay. no that's okay. right they moved into an old farm that was disused so they had the outbuildings of this farm that they mm-hmm. kind of you know makeshift rescue for dogs and and cats in the main actually that were yes. coming through so um, amazing that we did that and then he became like our correspondent (laughs) you know we did a few catch-ups on the radio and it was good Centaurus they do amazing work for horses I mean the thing is you could spend so long looking at the amazing work that charities do you know I just wish I had loads of money and I would just yes (laughs) I just give it all I mean Oh, some of these horses, because we follow each other now on Instagram. So and they're Mm -hmm. asking for immediate donations because the horse is going to be slaughtered. And I just think, oh, gosh, I wish I had extra cash. It's his so, so sad, isn't it? It is. And I think with the dogs and cats in Ukraine as well, it was great that some of the regulations were were loosened for a while. You know, people could bring their pets in and then, for example, they could get vaccinated against rabies. So it was just helping to make it smoother to bring animals and and people across. Yeah, it was. And then they tightened the borders, though, so nobody could get across. So it was awful. And of course, all the shelters in Ukraine, you know, they couldn't get enough. Loads of dogs died in the shelters. Mm. Yeah, I heard of cannibalization. You know, the dogs started to eat each other. Oh, awful, awful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you know that's probably going on. You well, know. it's still, it's still, it still probably is, isn't it? I mean, that's the the thing about war. It's on the front pages, and then it gradually drops lower and lower away, doesn't it? On our, on 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 social media and news as mm. as people. become wearied you know because it's hard it's hard seeing this sort of stuff so really is I mean you know in our lifetimes I think we've been very lucky haven't we I mean I look back to my parents they were quite old parents so dad Mm. fought in the second world war and everything so it was very different they experienced that you know a lot I did anyway you know really a lot and um but and then we've had this kind of blessed life where there hasn't really been much conflict I mean I know there's always been you know, there's been Iraq, I suppose, actually. There's been a lot of conflict, hasn't there, Anna, actually? But this, it just seems, it seems crazy at the moment. It does, it does. We all, we all want peace for that region, don't we? 
for mm. for the people and you know all the innocent pets as well. I mean, they just get caught up in it as well. You know, they've they've got no choice. It's yeah, they're just bystanders in the whole thing. Yeah, so basically this Australian charity is lobbying the big human agencies like the World Health Organization to not forget the animals and to allow medication and food and yes. water, I guess. Water must be yes. what they all need a lot of yes. to be humane and ethical, really. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Oh, Jenny, gosh, well, thank you. Thank you for this. It's going to be very interesting. So I'm sure a lot of people do want to help, actually. So let's hope they do. And yeah, and I really hope, you know, Christmas goes well for you, Jenny, as well as a vicar. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I'm going to be very, very busy, as as always. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. And just on this auspiciousness of a black cat, because <laughs> you're a real cat person, I should just say that, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I've got I've got three cats. And unfortunately, black cats, we seem mm. to see more of them in rescue centres than any other colour of cat, because I think it's partially because they don't show up as well on social media, I believe. I don't I'm not sure. I believe that. I think you can get very good photos of black cats, as you show on your social media. And also there's this funny little bit of superstition about them as well. Black cats are not so lucky. But of course, some people say black cats are lucky. But whatever the reasons, black cats seem to be the ones that are always looking for new homes. Oh. Well, luckily Bags has found his. I don't he has, so I'm I, very pleased. <laughs> see, I was always taught that when a black cat crosses your path, it mm. was really lucky. But that, <laughs> that might have been an old Swedish <laughs> saying or something, but I remember thinking that um, or knowing that a lot. So I don't know. I just love the idea that black cats are connected to witches <laughs> and, 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 yes. and that. And that sort of realm of the sixth sense, you know, perhaps <laughs> a bit more. But they look like panthers. Um, they do. A beautiful do. black cat is is a panther. Although Bag, he is quite small, actually, compared to Gremlin, who was huge. But anyway, I've got to get him microchipped, actually, because when does the legislation come in that it's mandatory for cats to be microchipped, Jenny? Is oh, it well, I, can't, I can't remember the date for that, but I think it's a fantastic idea. I mean, how many cats are lost or yeah. know, cats are run over and you just can't mm. find out who they belong to. Oh, dreadful. I mean, dreadful. I think it is the new year, actually. Um, it's long been campaigned for, actually. Yes, so we'll be getting that done. Um, but Jenny, you know, um, thank you so much for joining us tonight and for being a really, really top class guest. Very, very thrilled to speak with you, Anna, and thank you for the for the opportunity. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know. It's an awful situation and you're very lucky to be indoors and living in London. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> we should never forget that in times of conflict, it's not just the people that suffer, it is the animals too. <coughs> and I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. It really helps. 
Thanks again, of course, to Dr. Jenny Mackay for joining us today. And all the links are in our show notes to the Sulala Animal Rescue. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about Pod People at Pod People UK. And for me, find out more at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. But guess what? It's Christmas Eve. So we've got a surprise lined up. It's free to subscribe. And that way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.